from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome to uh, the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things that make us go wow. And uh, I'm Fendon Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined this week by James St. James, editor of the Wow Report, of course. That's me. And standing in for Tom Campbell, who's overseas making TV magic, we have Blake Jacobs. Hi. And... um. James, you'll be glad to hear Tom will be back next week. I will believe it when I see it. I think he I think you've you've killed him and he's like in a box somewhere. He's been murdered. I I, I just think something terrible has happened to him. But you just have to hold on one more week. And to help you do that, we have our extra special guest, Randy Barbado, my partner in crime at World of Wonder. Congratulations, Randy. You won a big award last night or two nights ago. Well, well, lots of people won won a big award. It was the PGA Award, yeah, and it was very exciting. Procter and so Gamble happy. Awards is that what that is? The Procter, no, the Producers Guild Award, and it, and uh, RuPaul's Drag Race won. And I'm so proud of the entire team. You know, it's been such a challenging, actually, a couple of years at this point. Um, and we, uh, um. Yeah, we won. So it's nice. Not that winning means anything. You know, you don't need to not being nominated. Well, after enough. the first 100 or so trophies, then then it all just becomes <laughs> meaningless. You, know, you guys really have had a really spectacular run these past couple of years. It's, it's been pretty incredible to watch. It takes a village, people. It certainly does. <laughs> never gets hard to say. It never gets old, Fenton. All <laughs> right. Well, Randy, you are number 10. What have you got for us at number 10? Number 10. Well, um, I'm not sure I should be dipping my toes into this conversation because I'm really coming from a place of ignorance. So I need to, to sort of preface that. Um, I read an article by a guy named Dennis Cavanaugh in the Lesbian and Gay News. And it's an incredibly passionate article talking about... Um, kind of a gay Brexit of the gay movement. Apparently there are these um, self-identified queer activists. Like I really know, like I read this and it was like reading about another world, but apparently I'm a part of all of this world. So, you know, um, but but apparently there are these uh, um, self-identifying queer activists and there's this, sort of war going on um, amongst the LGBTQ community and some of these queer activists. And um, I kind of don't, I, I don't fully follow it. A lot of it is about identity, I guess about identity po- politics and about queers wanting to call themselves queers, which I consider myself queer. I consider myself, you can call me whatever you want. Just call me. It sort of seems a little bit that it's it's a, a sort of older gays versus the the newbies. But are the old, who are the queers? Because this is like what well, the reason I felt like I wanted to just bring it out and 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 share this is you know we've just produced the Chris McKim's beautiful Voynerovich fuck you faggot fucker. Like where is that offensive to the LGBTQ community? Because it is. 
It's a beautiful film about this amazingly inspiring queer warrior. And I, I you know, I don't, I'm confused by all of it. And I, I just want to read one thing in particular from the article because I had to read it a couple times to even follow it because it's brilliantly written and so passionate. I'm not dissing it, but I am confused by it. But at the end, the, the, the end of the article, the article ends with, to be queer is to be odd. It is to be the other. It is to permanently stand outside society and be a vehicle for queering things. It is to be the bauble of interest to tourists. It is to be something other than LGBT, but something that won't tell you what it is. It is to be the most useless and paradoxical of things, a label you say you have reclaimed, but you wouldn't dream of shouting at someone on a street. Now, let me tell you something. I'm queer. I'm queer, and I am proud that I'm queer. Wait, 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 wait. And what I like about being queer and saying I'm queer is that actually, it, it's, it, to me, it's a broad term. We are all queer. We are all unique. And I'm kind of ripping this off from Fenton. This is Fenton's whole rap. But it's true. It's what we all have in common. And words don't, and labels don't matter anyway. Go ahead, James. No, labels do matter. Labels matter. They they're very important. You know, I, I just have to say that I, I understand both sides of this because I understand that being queer yeah. is the other. I, I totally get that. And I understand that the, the, the words change and meanings change and all of that. But it was such a hurtful word to yes. to to be thrown at when I was growing up, you were a queer boy, you were queer bait, you were a faggot, you were this or that. And to reclaim that is, is power. I understand that. But it also, the word, it, it's, I have PTSD whenever I hear it because it, it hurts. It still hurts. And I don't well, know. I, under, I understand that too. And, and I love that you, how you've just articulated that. Like there's so much passion and, and kind of anger in this article and anger can be a great thing. Anger can anger move can move things forward. Anger can also cause chaos. You know, progress but progress comes from respect. I mean, look what's happening in Washington right now. There's like there's so much division within the Democrats, but but when they when they respect one another, we can move things a little bit forward. And, 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 you know, our coalition, our democratic coalition is so diverse, but we managed to pass this bill. That's, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't, I think I have an idea of what Democrats and Republicans are, but I don't get the two sides of this argument. Cause James, I, I, I don't know what the two sides are. Is, is someone saying queer is, the label to use or someone saying well, he, queer is he, not- he starts off the, the article by saying that he doesn't like the word queer, that he too finds it problematic. But then yes. he, by the end, he sort of comes around and says that he, he, he gets why they're doing it. But this, it, it seems like there's um, the, there are these uh, queer activists that are sort of at odds with some of the uh, LGBTQ uh, elders. And it's creating a kind of division and, and and within the community and a lot of people within the LGBT community are offended by it and are angry about it. And and it's it's creating a like chasm and and, and split. You see the weird and, the, just my little itty bitty experience, I never really liked the word gay and I thought that was an insult. Whereas queer I've always found much more 
wearable and ownable and somehow not as so i guess you know one man's one queer's meat is another no well, well, you, you are a queer it, duck but, but, always been a bit of a queer duck oh thank you love <laughs> but don't we don't we i mean to get to move anywhere don't we need to evolve beyond words labels and like to have words sort of trigger this a kind of rage um it, it just feels a little bit you know 20 productive but, yeah, but it also are... feels like it doesn't feel evolved like it feels like a kind of old thinking that's what i think because i think like in the the, the, the world we, we need to we we need to sort of be different kinds of intellectual creatures. And we do need to sort of, I, I think, anyway, whatever, I'm not, you know, I am. Maybe instead of um, uh, not labeling anything, maybe we need to just really get down down and dirty about what the label is before we can move on. Maybe we need to like really, really define it before we can say, okay, we've got that. Now we can move on. The way he ends the article is interesting to me because I think he's, he is describing why that word is wrong. And weirdly, so much that's in there is why, for me, that word is right, you know? Yeah. And and I'm not, you know, anyway, it's, it's... Yeah, I think, at least as a word, I think queer as a word is preferable to a collection of letters, LGBTQIA+, et cetera. You know, that's a bit of a mouthful. Whereas queer, just queer. Queer, queer, well, queer, but not queer. every gay person is queer. I mean, queers are a certain type of gay. Oh, tell me, what kind are they? Well, they're they're the they're the purple-haired, nose ring, uh, oh. you know, fire-eating, uh, you know, shock-strap-wearing, fuck you types of people. Whereas there's more, you know, traditional. So I'm not. I'm not queer. You're very queer because you you're you the way you think is very subversive and and uh, um just outside the box. So, I mean, it's, it's a way of defining yourself as being gay, but not being one of those old school gays. That's like a special gay, a but, special gay. But I guess I also felt that queer was more inclusive and, and of, of that there's lots of straight queers and right. that, that queer, that queer kind of suggested a commonality and something that a connection that we had that went beyond LGBT. And, uh, you know, so I thought it was, weirdly, I thought it was inclusive. And... Well, um, we'll, we'll put this article up on the WOW Report and everyone can look in it and chime in and uh, come to their own conclusion. It'll be a shit show for sure. Right. I'm sure this will all be... Edited. Oh, no, don't, no, because we're having a conversation. I think the article is great and that it would provoke a conversation like this. And that's where... Like that's like we're we've come to a point in our culture where people are anxious about having these kinds of conversations, and that's not good. So hopefully, uh, people will comment in fun, thoughtful, and positive ways. I love that. Yes. All right. Thank you, Randy. Let's move on to number nine. Number nine. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring it back up to the superficial again. I uh, watched on Netflix, I watched a documentary about Audrey Hepburn called Audrey. 
And uh, it was really fascinating. It was a lot of, you know, her backstory and it told through, you know, her film clips and interviews with her and everything like that. But there was a lot of fashion in it. And there was a lot of um, her uh, famous um, collaboration with Givenchy and the current house of Givenchy opened up their archives and there's, they have all the dresses from Charade and have, uh, Funny Face and Sabrina and Breakfast at Tiffany's. And they're walking you through all of this. And it was really fascinating. And that was really fun for me. Um, but there was another period of Audrey in the 80s that nobody ever really talks about. And it was after she stopped making movies, but before she went with the um, UNICEF. Remember, she was with UNICEF and going to Somalia and all that well, she was like sort of an 80s Brooke Astor type for a little bit. And she was in like big 80s ball gowns and big 80s helmet hair and big 80s jewels. And there's all this footage of her. And I just want an Audrey Hepburn 80s, ultra 80s glam book, like the, the paper dolls or something. I just need it's um uh, just it's uh, it's so it's a fun. It's a fun documentary. I recommend it. There's some annoying parts about it. There's a thing where. To fill up space, they they have this Audrey lookalike who is a ballerina on stage, and you see you silhouette from behind. Whenever they don't have any footage of her, you go to this um this. We know this, that trick. Yeah, know that trick. And also, there's the trick where you can't use you you can use footage that was in a trailer, right? Isn't isn't that something? So they have this one trailer for Roman Holiday that they use. Over and over and over, and you see about sixty minutes of this two-minute trailer to, to fill it up. So it's um, that's sort of funny, and, and it's funny because working at World of Wonder, I know all those little tricks. You now. know all the tricks. <laughs> Documentary hamburger helper. You know, fluff <laughs> yes. it up. Yeah. All right, that's number nine. That's streaming on Netflix. Audrey, uh, number eight. Number eight. Also streaming on Netflix, uh, a documentary, The Last Blockbuster. Now, I was wondering, how can you fill up a whole documentary about the last blockbuster? I mean, I know it's a big deal, and it's in Bend, Oregon, right? Right. It's about the last existing blockbuster store, which is in Bend, Oregon. And I was thinking, that's weird. I know Bend, Oregon. And then I remembered, I've actually been there. What? I went to meet, do you remember the pregnant man? I yes. went to meet the pregnant man. He lived in Bend, Oregon. So something about Bend, Oregon. Um yeah, but, and, but it is a, it's a whole two-hour documentary about a, a blockbuster. Yes, and the answer to Blake's question is how do they fill up? They kind of don't. <laughs> <laughs> but the story of blockbuster is fascinating. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, it just gave me um, nostalgia. You know, as remem remembering, Randy, you and I went to St. Mark's video on, on of an evening and would get rent a video from the video store because – when they first the movies good, it's so such a good video store really right? i think there's a documentary about that place too maybe there is you yeah. know um because when the, the way the model worked is the studios would release the films on video and charge you 100 150 dollars to buy the videotape so no one could afford that so rental stores started up renting them for a dollar a time and then they would charge you late fees and they would charge you 99 cents if you weren't kind and rewind be kind rewind and so it's really this fascinating story of the rise and fall of a of a brand. I don't know if you knew that, for example, Blockbuster was bought early on by the guy who runs Waste Management, which is a huge landfill company. Oh. So he owned it. And then um, they had something like 9,000 stores at their peak. And um, 
what else? Well, they were they were kind of they were sort of like the Netflix of their day. And so there's a sort of bitter irony in the fact that this documentary is on Netflix. I can't help feeling Netflix are going, nah, 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 at, and, at and wasn't there a thing about like Netflix and Blockbuster tried to work together or Netflix yeah, went to oh. Blockbuster early on? In 2000, Blockbuster failed to buy Netflix for $50 million. Netflix went in and said, you can buy us for $50 million, And Blockbuster were like, mm, no, thanks. <laughs> um, that was after they'd been bought by Viacom six years earlier for $8.4 billion. Could you imagine paying $8.4 billion for a video rental company? I remember um, in 1985, 85 or 86, there was a blockbuster that opened in Manhattan, and Michael Musto would go every day and started in the A's and did every single movie from A to Z. And he, at the time, there was probably only, you know, like a thousand movies, but he would do, like, for, for years, he went and just alphabetically did every movie. And I was so impressed with that. And you know how Blockbuster beat all those independent little mom and pop shops? They were the first people to interview, introduce revenue share. So they would pay the studios a cut of the amount of rentals because they could do that because they were the first video store to have a computerized inventory. So it's kind of interesting. They were ahead of the game and then quickly fell apart. And um, interestingly, though, it wasn't Netflix that put them out of business. It was the financial crash in 2008. Blockbuster had all this debt from being bought by Viacom and all these acquisitions. Netflix didn't have debt. So Netflix just had the money to expand at the time of the recession in a way that Blockbuster was hobbled by its enormous amount of corporate debt. And what about Redbox? Yeah, Redbox gets mentioned, but they don't... Didn't Netflix buy Redbox? I think maybe. Yeah. There are still anyway, boxes around, aren't there? At my 7-Eleven, there's still a red box, yeah. The documentary runs out of steam about 40 minutes in, and I, to be honest, I didn't get to finish it because I felt, I've got the story, and, and the, the story in Bend, Oregon is cute. Oh, my God, everyone talks about the end of the documentary as being the, the best part. lie. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, last blockbuster streaming on Netflix. Hey, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Painted with Raven, our new Wow Presents Plus series hosted by Raven, is now casting. And it's a remote elimination-style competition show seeking out the next makeup superstar. So if you're 18 or over and a U.S. resident, apply before, I think, April 2nd. Yeah. Uh Worldofwonder.com slash casting. All right. Have you got a question for us, Blake? I do. I do. Who invented... Or who designed the famous Louis Vuitton logo, the LVs? Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> Good one. You're listening to Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and James and Blake standing in for Tom and Randy, our extra special super duper guest. Blake, you have a question? I do. Have- I do. Um, who designed the famous Louis Vuitton logo, the LVs? It was Louis Vuitton, of course. It was Louis' son. It was Louis Vuitton's son. 
And you know how I know that? Because that ties into what I'm going to talk about in this next segment. Number seven. I have fallen into a repair shop hole on Netflix. It's this new series set in the UK. And it's this lovely group of um, people who restore and repair unrepairable items and family heirlooms. And they're all just, they're so wonderful. And people, these little, you know, the 10th Duke of Devonshire on Thames will come in and he has this monkey stick, this walking stick with a monkey's head on it. And the mouth opens and the ear has fallen off. And it was given to him by the Maharaja of Jaipur or something like this. Back in 1891, it was given to his family and they will repair it. And People come in and this lovely lady had this butter churn that she and her granny used to make butter in the, you know, in the 1940s. And can you repair this? And there's um, there was this one. There was this old painting from the 1700s. And it was this great, 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 great grandmother. And she ran away from home when she was 10. And she married the 10th Duchess, Duke on Thames, blah, blah, blah. And then... Um, the one of the sons was playing with darts and he like put a dart in her mouth like and so she has this like it looks like a big cold sore and so they have to restore it and they have all these like people who come and they repair these things and they come in and they tell their stories about these items that they have and then you th- they say oh we'll never be able to do this oh we just, no, no 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 this is an impossible task we can't do it and of course they do it and then they bring it back they bring the people back and then the people inevitably start crying because it's, you know, it was, I just, you know, my family is all gone and I'm 80 years old and I have nobody. And this reminds me of my great, great granny. And then they start crying and everybody starts crying and I start crying. You're, they just, it's wonderful the way they milk these stories and every story, you know. What well, I was going to say, what would you get repaired? Well, my Harvey, of course, my rabbit that is falling apart. Bless his heart. He's he's he I he was the March Hare at Mamalioni's restaurant in the 1940s. So he's been around the block a few times and he's not had more moves. I would definitely take him in. But there is a guy I just want to point out a furniture repairer on the show named William Kirk who is the sex bomb of the repairers and he is the hottest guy I've ever seen. And I'm starting the William Kirk fan club. And I just think everybody needs to watch this show because it's perfectly lovely. And it's all done in this giant thatched house in the middle of, have you been watching it, Blake? You know what I'm talking about? I watched, I watched an episode last night at the first episode and I really enjoyed the woman redoing the louis vuitton case this guy yes, yes it, was, it was it was the, her grandfather her great grandfather's was um traveled around he had this louis vuitton case that was all battered and everything and she was able to repair it and uh it was just and she's like this is such an honor she was so lovely she's just everyone who works there you just fall in love with. and the the trivia question was because who knew that like it was the second generation louis vuitton because this what this case that he brought in was like Louis Vuitton, the original it. Louis Vuitton, the five. Right. So and it didn't Louis- have the logo, didn't have the LV. Right, it had uh, like yeah. the map motif, and I I found it interesting that the LV didn't come along until and like the only second generation. Famous, we learned because uh, uh, the Empress Josephine, Napoleon's wife, uh, commissioned him to do something, and so this was like this was an original around the period of Empress Josephine's involvement with Louis Vuitton. It's just, much, it, just the things you learn on the show. Like, how much do you think that would be worth if Birkenbags are like, can go up to 400000 like an original Louis Vuitton Oh, case? millions, millions. 
right? Anyway, moving <laughs> on. That's the repair shop streaming on Netflix. Okay, so number six. Number six. Um, I was going to talk about this with a little help from James. I was scrolling through Twitter. How dare you? I know what you're getting at, and I'm already furious. <laughs> Uh, I was scrolling through TMZ yesterday and came across male shrinkage, penises shrinkage caused by pollution. So claim scientists. The idea is that um, uh, that penises are getting smaller and smaller, and there's uh, baby doctors who are measuring these things, and they say that that baby penises are smaller now than they were ten years ago due to environmental uh, pollution. I have to dispute this because surely classical statues, they always have tiny peepees. Well, no, but that was, you know what that's about. That was um, during Greco Roman times in antiquity, the idea that the smaller the penis, the bigger the brain. And so even though, even if they had a big dong, they wanted their statues to reflect how small their penis was to show how smart they were. Um, Ding, dang, dong. In my anecdotal experience, I find that penises are bigger in the 21st century than they were back in the 80s and 90s. I just think that when you go on Twitter or Tumblr or TikTok or whatever, and you or only fans, you everyone has a huge penis. Everyone. Or is it just everyone with a huge penis is showing it off on Instagram and OnlyFans? Well, also little penises are a thing. There's a whole little penis category of um, porn. Oh, that's that's just I've weird. heard it. Are, are you on little penis porn? Is that what you're, you're admitting to us here? That's just you're weird. Contributing to the conversation, Randy. You've been strangely silent. Yeah, I'm. I'm listening and I'm learning. Well, uh, but the the one the, the comment that really got me on the on um there was a boing boing post about it, and they were saying that this is one way to get the GOP to care about environmental pollution. That if, <laughs> if they. <laughs> If they think that it's going to make their penises smaller, why are they getting smaller? Like, what is the pollution? Did you say pollution? Yeah, what? it's because of phthalates. I'm going to spell it P H T H A L A T E S, and they're found in plastic. So, because people are rubbing plastic all over their penis, <laughs> like. How, where, where, Condoms are plastic, aren't they? I thought they were. Um, she says these phthalates are seeping into our toys and even some foods we eat. This is um, Dr. Shauna Swan, a professor of environmental medicine and public at New York City's Mount Sinai. So we'll tweet at her if you have any questions. I have many questions. <laughs> well, let's have just one then. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's time to move on. I'm, uh, I think we've exhausted the small penis category. That was quick. I thought it was going to last longer. Well, I mean, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> All right, we're going to move on then. Uh, number five. Number five. Oh, my God. Okay, I have a story to tell. So... I sometimes have trouble sleeping, so I have sleeping pills, but they're very strong, so I break them in half. Now, I also, sometimes when I travel, I have jet lag pills, and I also, they're strong, so I break them in half. So basically, and, you're doing a Neely O'Hara number here. You're doing... Uh, hang on. <laughs> well, let's say, and Judy Garland they're, they're normally in separate things, but 
when I travel, I just put them in one thing. And I know the difference. Last night, couldn't sleep, took a sleeping pill. And I'm lying there and I'm suddenly wide awake. And I think, what is happening? And so with that sinking feeling, I realize I took the wrong pill. So it's like midnight. What am I going to do? So I, I wake up, I get out of bed, and I watch the QAnon Into the Storm HBO oh. doc series. That is not the sort of thing to watch at two in the morning when you're wide awake. It's, it is scary and crazy as fuck. It, Do it, the people really believe it, or are they just trying to own the libs? That's what I can't figure out. I think they really, I think they really believe it. And for those QAnon, the, when you boil it all down, QAnon is the mother of all conspiracy theories, I guess. And the, it seems to be completely preoccupied with pizza parlors, pedophiles, and the eating and raping of babies. And it's extraordinary to see grown people swear on a Bible that that's what Hillary Clinton is doing and that that's what the Democrats are doing. It's, it's, but, but can you do, do what is it that makes people actually believe? I can't believe that anyone actually believes that they, Bill and Hillary are running a child well, porn ring out of a pizza parlor. They believe that they, the QAnoners, have been red pilled, which is reference to a scene in The Matrix where Keanu Reeves takes a red pill and sees the truth. Yes, they believe that the eyes have pill. been opened and that it's all of the rest of us, the sheeple, who don't know what's going on. It is. And this guy, Colin, Colin Hoback, has made it. It's kind of an old fashioned doc. It, you know, he's a sort of reporter, presenter, and director, and he's sort of doing it. And that the, um, I'm, one of the fascinating characters is this guy called Frederick Brennan, and he invented the platform that QAnon sits on, which is 8chan. And he's kind of like mini me in Austin Powers. He's like, he's in a wheelchair. He has um, brittle bone disease, so he's tiny and, and malformed. And because of that, always since a kid, got into computers early on, and, and all his relationships were virtual. He now lives in the Philippines, and he invented this 8chan platform. And he said the thing that attracted him to it was that on these platforms, people just say what they really think. And that he noticed that people were always polite to him. But in reality, they think he's a cripple and a retard and they insult him. And he appreciates that directness or like he used to. And so he's this extraordinary character. Reminds me a bit. Randy, do you remember Doug and Dave? Yeah. Dave, yeah. Reminds me a bit of Dave or Doug. Was it Doug or Dave? Anyway. Um, it's just really interesting because this, this, this I, I didn't get to the end, but this QAnon thing. James, it makes no sense. It sort of came out of nowhere, the least likely people. And now it's this massive. It's, it's the, invaded it, our government. We have, you know, Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene and uh, Lauren Bobit or whatever her name is, who believe yeah. this fervently. It seems like it's just eaten every conspiracy theory you can think of. And now it's every conspiracy theory is QAnon. Like all, the, yeah, and I just it, it it boggles my mind that we're at this place in society right now. I just I don't get it. I don't get it, and I I just feel the division is so entrenched that people want, will believe this just to piss other people off. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, Fenton, you know, you would under apparently the end of that film is the best part and that's where it kind of explains the whole thing i haven't seen it but that's what i've heard is that what they say but, really 
But um, I think people just need to get laid more. Like, I think that's the problem, especially like they're just people are don't have anything going on. Well, and there's a part in this documentary where they talk about how incel, like male incels who were never going to lose their virginity and were just pissed at women. That was part of the whole thing, too. Well, yeah, right, because the guy who started it, the the platform, uh, Brennan, he was an incel, and then he met up with a a babe who was into little people with disabilities. And so he stopped being an incel, and he had to leave that group, and he was cast out, so he had to start this new platform. I mean, who would know that that would lead to a thing that that would lead to storming the Capitol? I mean, it's sort of the butterfly (laughs) effect in some weird, bonkers world. Blake, how far into it are you? I got, I believe there's only two episodes and I've watched two episodes. I think it's a six part series. Right. Or eight. I'm not sure. But I'll definitely. He's looking to find out who QAnon actually is. Yeah. Well, didn't we uncover that? Wasn't wasn't that there? There was, yeah. Yeah. Um, HBO Docs is really hot right now. Tell ya. I'm very excited about the um the Tina Turner next week. My yeah. roommate, my roommate watched an awesome doc by a little company called World of Wonder last night. Uh, Maplethorpe. Look at the pictures. Ah, and where did you find that? He hadn't seen it before. No, I think this was his first time. He watched the movie Maplethorpe on HBO, and then he watched our doc. And what did he think? Loved it. <sighs> <laughs> Well, it's a natural question, right? Oh, well, should we take a break? Yes. You got a question, Blake? I do, and it's a really, really easy one, but I feel like I need to um, show, give credit where credit is due. Who is Tom Campbell's favorite singer? Because it's (laughs) our birthday today. That is so easy. You should be ashamed of yourself for asking it. We'll have the answer if anyone doesn't know right after the break here on the Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Jane St. James and Randy and Blake. And we just had the doozy question of the century. Well, it's Tom Campbell, who sadly is not here with us. It's his favorite singer's birthday today. Who is it, James? Well, is it Linda Ronstadt? No. <laughs> is it Olivia, Olivia Newton-John? No. <laughs> no. Is it Ariana, Ariana Grande? Grande? It's the boss. It's the boss. Miss Diana Ross. Oh, oh of course. And it's her birthday. How old is she? Well, a lady never tells, but I will. She's seventy six. Wow, like seventy seven. That's that's young. I would have thought that she would have been a little bit older. I guess she yeah. was like a, a wee thing when she became famous. It's also Danielle Bergoli's birthday, so bad. Oh, the, 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 the Cash Me Outside girl. Yeah. <laughs> and yesterday it was Elton John's birthday. There you go. All right, let's move on with our countdown. We've reached number four. Me. All right. Number four. I just wanted to give a little shout out to one of my favorite blogs and one of James's, I'm sure, too. 
We have a blog. This show is about our blog. So I feel like we should spread the love to other blogs. So just wanted to take a minute and give a shout out to Oh My God blog. Oh my God, I love Oh My God. Me too. They have like a lot of the same audience that the WOW Report does. And they actually post a lot about our productions like... um, I love them already. T.S. Madison, Drag Race. They talk about weird, the weird stories that James covers, like the bodybuilder who's in a love triangle with the sex doll chicken. <laughs> um, but my real reason that I really, 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 really love Oh My God blog, right, James? It, it, yeah. Is because pretty much any male celebrity anywhere, if they had a dick pic, you can find it on Oh My God blog. Whether it was uh, whether it was like a 1970s movie that you saw the side penis, or whether it was a reality show in the Netherlands last week, and you- they do the work for you, you know, like when you were younger, and well, I know when I was younger, I would have to pause the VHS tape at the right <laughs> to spot. see Bruce Willis's penis or Christopher Atkins' penis. Heaven Bacon, yeah. So they do it for you. It's like all, every frame of it, you can see it from every angle. Like they get the best shots. They'll lighten the pictures up. It's amazing. Yeah. They, um, I was really loved them during um, uh, Teen Wolf. Remember when all the Teen Wolf boys. Well, one of the recent stars that they're always showing is Tyler Tyler Posey, who has been, I'm not really sure of the reasons why he's doing this. It it sort of feels a little Uh messy to me. Well, but I think I wanna, it's really interesting. It is. It's totally interesting. I also want to know where you can, because um, they are always posting like, see this Dutch person from a Dutch reality show naked. Well, I want to see naked attraction in the U.S. Where can I watch that in the U.S.? Oh, Fans, I, I do think it's an interesting. Yeah, I think maybe it's something World of Wonder should do. Fans, if you know where I can watch it in the U.S., please post it in the comments. I think that's a British format, Naked Attraction. It is. It's the one where they reveal yeah. a bit of you at a time. It's yeah. British, but they just started an Italian one, too. So, <laughs> Mamma mia. You know, um, while you're talking about OMG, can I just say one thing about, because I know they talk about TS, and I know this isn't a number, and it's not in here, and maybe you guys have talked about it, but I think the icon of, of uh, 2021 is Miss Mary. It, <laughs> yes. Mom is everything. Have you guys already talked about, like truly it, she is the evolved, you know, spiritual leader of the future. And hmm. I, there are some times, I don't know, I follow her on Instagram. I watch the show, I did, but I, there's sometimes I have to watch things she says or does like eight or nine times. Cause it's just so deep. <laughs> She, I, she really is the spinoff series that needs to happen. Just, she is so fascinating and and, and just fun. And, and just everything about her is just so compelling and charismatic. And also she bridges uh, like thinking. She reminds me of there's a Tammy Faye connection there. Like the way she's dealt with her trans daughter and how she's gone how she's processed it and embraced it and how love has conquered all. It's, I, I do think she's going to contribute enormously to mankind, Miss Mary. <laughs> yeah, watch the T.S. Madison experience on WeTV on Thursdays, right, Blake? 
Yes. And uh, OMG blog at omgblog.com. I guess that would be a good place to go to determine if penis size really is reducing or not. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> not. Maybe not. Number three. This looks good. Number three. This seems to be a theme to this show. I, I was going to say, we're, we're, we're getting really raunchy to the, today. Um, uh, I have two documentaries that I'm really excited that are coming up. That one of them is right now in the... Um, uh, the circuit playing the festival circuit it's called trade center and it's by adam baron and adam baron is an old friend of world of wonders he uh is the founder and co-editor of butt magazine which was a wildly influential magazine in the what 2000s i guess it's amazing yeah, yeah uh, the pink paper i just it was it was really good um but it's this it's a documentary about the world trade center in the 70s and 80s and how it was like a hub for gay orgies and every bathroom, every stairwell, every dark corner, every all over, there was just gay sex happening. And he's it's told through the voices of the people who were having the gay sex, the anonymous voices. Can you hear that? The anonymous voices? Yeah, the, the, the people called in in anonymous. I don't hear them. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> People who had were having the sex in the seventies would, would were calling in and anonymously telling their stories about the the sexual encounters they had and the the bigger picture of how pre surveillance cameras pre um, AIDS pre um, you know all this whole era of sexual liberation in the seventies and how it eventually you know uh, all came apart during the AIDS crisis but. It's just the the it's telling the young kids, the telling the young gays what gay culture was before in pre grinder era. What sort of visuals does it have? I'm like a lot of shots of the World Trade Center. I'm imagining. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, but it's it's not. It, I, I don't know. Reenactments. Is there a ballet no. dancer? Is there <laughs> yeah, ballet dancers in silhouette? Um, but then there, there's all sorts of corridors. people. People are saying that that maybe just because we can tell these stories, we shouldn't because it gives fodder to right wing extremists who want to demonize the gays for these things. And that it ultimately did lead to, uh, you know, the, the AIDS crisis and that, that sort of the orgiastic 70s. So there's there's a back and forth about it. This a conversation that's being had. I think it's important to, to for for kids to know their history. And I think it's fascinating. The other documentary, just very quickly, that I wanted to point out was um, coming to Netflix. And it's a documentary series about the um, in the death of Brittany Murphy, uh, the, you know, who died a few years ago. And her husband died mysteriously, the same, you know, of, of pneumonia. And so it's an investigation into her death and they're trying to resolve it. And that's being filmed right now. Oh. And I'm really looking forward to that one. It, uh, not to double back, but where can you see the Trade Center doc? Um, right now it's just in, um, festivals, but it's being released on, you know, video on demand, I think next month. All right. Trade sense is a good title for it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I guess you have man on wire. That was the famous documentary, the Academy award winning documentary about the world trade center, the man, and that you could have called this pussy on fire or something. (laughs) Ah, but um, bum. Okay. So, uh, number two. Number two. It's just a quickie. Uh, Randy and I were interviewed in Film Daily for the Wojnarowicz film. And um, <laughs> Trey wrote to me and saying, have you, congratulations on the interview. 
Um, why does it look like you're speaking as if English was a second language to you? So I was like, what? So I went and looked at the interview, and this is what uh, Randy says to say. Um, I'd simply add to that, after we began working collectively, we actually weren't essentially intending to provide. We have been primarily aspiring to direct, and we by no means may persuade anyone to allow us to do something so producing simply grew. I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> is that in reality, we frequently reduce our enhancing class to make pleased hour on the pyramid, which is, you recognize, the place we meet all drag queens. Was it put into like a translating, translated into German and then retranslated back to American? Yeah, I think it did because it said we were, it says, okay, um, Randy Barbet and Fenomeli have been making the world a extra fabulous place by their iconic manufacturing firm, World of Marble. <laughs> Whereas some could solely know a sure drag themed actuality present, World of Marvel has quite a few films, documentaries, and TV exhibits <laughs> underneath its belt. From producing vital documentaries to serving to carry the long-lasting movie Occasion Monster, <laughs> which is about the membership children. <laughs> that and, is how you talk. It's like a mad. Talk. It's like a Mad Lib. <laughs> the membership children, like it's club kids, right? An Occasion Monster is party monster. <laughs> That's crazy. Um. And it says that, oh, yes, David was so prolific spewing out materials, so he left behind only a nice physique of labor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, Voynerovich, which is released on Kino Lorba and is screening virtually at um, Film Forum and other venues around the country, virtually speaking. That All should right. be a drinking game that you should do where you should re read those, translate it back and forth, and you have to try and guess what they're really saying. Right? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny. It's kind of better than the actual interview. Physique of labor instead of work of art. Work of uh, body of work. Body of work. Physique of labor. <laughs> that sounds very like trade center, doesn't it? <laughs> Behind the physique of labor. Everything I say is so mangled anyway that when I read it, I was like grateful that they'd cleaned it up a little bit. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing that makes us go, wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go, wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Blake and Randy. I'm just going to tell you the official Drag Race UK tour featuring the cast of UK Series 2 has been announced with pre-sale tickets on sale now. Brandon, uh, Voss Events. Voss events, right? Vossevents.com. Yeah. Yep. Okay. What is the number one thing this week that made us go out? Number one. There was a, a scandal that I don't know if you caught on Twitter this week where comedian Jensen Karp uh, discovered was eating cinnamon toast crunch and he found shrimp tails, sugar encrusted shrimp tails at the bottom of the of the of the box. And he tweeted about it. And Cinnamon Toast Crunch tweeted back and said, first of all, it's not shrimp tails. It's probably just sugar and sugar clumps uh, shaped like shrimp. And second of all, if it is shrimp tails, we, it didn't happen at our, at our packaging plant. And Jensen went back and said, 
oh no, you don't. He said, I was I was laughing about this at first, but now y'all trying to gaslight me and I am going to the mat on this and I'm taking it to a laboratory and we are going to get to the bottom of it. And then other people started sending in things that they found in their cinnamon toast crunch and there was dental floss and there was a lot of them had little black marks on the cinnamon toast crunch and they realized that it was rat poop rat uh, that was baked into and it, it yeah randy no it's so i when we were talking about micro penises before i was thinking about the cinnamon crunch toast <laughs> um <laughs> it, it's Shrimping. just it's just the whole thing is so kind of revolting and even D- dion warwick has been tweeting about it <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the, I get the the lesson of it is you don't screw with a comedian on Twitter. You just you're not going to win. And, you know, the, yeah. Well, well, are they shrimp tails? Well, they, th- they they are. They're definitely shrimp tails. And what probably happened is that there were rats that maybe got into someone's lunch or something like that and dragged the shrimp into the packaging area and then ate it and then discarded it into the cereal boxes or yeah. No, I was just thinking, like, if you get a shrimp tail in your cinnamon toast, you win a hundred thousand dollars. Like, they, they turn it around. Some, yeah, they should turn it into some promo campaign that that was their intention. They should give Jensen, who, by the way, we're huge fans of, love him. But um, he should. They should go to his house with a big check and a shrimp on it and say congratulations. And or maybe everyone come out be- with a new line of cereal called like cinnamon toast shrimp tails yeah. or something. But um, uh-huh. I, I want to point out that, that Jensen Carp is married to Danielle Fischel, who was Topanga on uh, Boy Meets World. And it's funny because his name is Carp and her name is Fischel and they're arguing about shrimp. And <laughs> so it all sort of comes together in a big boat. That's fantastic. Thank you, James. Well, thank you for tuning into the Wear Report. If you want more kind of madness, check out some of our podcasts. Uh, We've got season two of Girl Group Gossip with Cheryl Hole, season two of The Things That Made Me Queer with Crystal, Um, the Very Camp podcast with Tia Coffee and Vinegar Strokes, Uh, You Britta Vote with Britta Filter, and out today, very excited about this. Homophilia, hosted by Dave Holmes and Matt McConkie. So check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Great. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, James. Thank you, Randy. Um, That's all we have time for this week. Until same time, same place next week, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. wow.